Governance is never a one man's job. The result of good governance are usually a product of concerted efforts and the willingness of the political class to deliver value to the governed. Welcome to the MyCon podcast. I'm Sean Wakimale and I will be piloting this show, which promises to be very engaging because of my guest tonight. This podcast focuses on issues affecting all Nigerians, but pay special and careful attention to how the issues raised affect young Nigerians wherever they are in the world. This is one way to make sure that the conversation never stops. After my every weekday show politics today and Sunday politics on channels television, this is one way to further engage those who may have been left out or just to make the conversation more robust. For many Nigerians, especially those who have uh, followed political development since independence, democracy has come to stay despite its inadequacies and imperfections. Nigeria is one of the most internally diverse, uh, diverse and plural states in Africa, with over 200 million people from over 300 ethnic groups and languages. There is beauty in diversity and so much strength in numbers. There are also many challenges in our nation today. So when Nigerians were divided along many lines as a result of the 2023 elections, one could say it is one of the features of a largely diverse country like ours. See, being contested in the court for the 2023 election produced President Bola Tinubu. The president may not be everyone's favorite, but he's got a country to run and some tough decisions to make. So tonight, we will be talking about those decisions and policies, while also weighing in on some of the issues that have trailed the 2023 elections. Tonight, I have joining me one man who has not held back in sharing his uh, views and also learning himself as a tool for democratic development and progress in this country. He's not only been on the sideline as a journalist, He's also come into the fray as a presidential candidate. In fact, in the last election, he helped the PDP presidential candidate to direct the media, publicity, and uh, the strategic and uh, um, affairs of the of the PDP and Mr. Atiku Abubakar tonight. I'm being joined by Chief Dele Mamadou, a very popular, uh, I wouldn't call him Nigerian because he's also very popular in some other African countries and around the world. Chief Dele Mamadou is a publisher, and he joins us uh, on this podcast. Thank you so much, Chief Mamadou, for joining us today. Thank you very much, uh, Mr. Sheung Okimbaloye. Uh, thank you for inviting me on your podcast, and I hope we have a very interesting and robust conversation tonight. Absolutely. Uh, your experience uh, for, before the military, I mean, before Nigeria returned to democracy. I know I've had several conversations with you about the role you played um, in the pro-democracy struggle, uh, some of the role you played as someone who was very close to MK Abiola when uh, you were very close to uh, Chief Ganefa Oemi. You, uh, you contested to be a president uh, sometimes in this country, and you have not also kept quiet in uh, lending your voice into public affairs and uh, the affairs of this country. And so tonight, I will be engaging you in so many issues. But let me begin. Uh, because of your role 
in the 2023 election. The case is in court, however, uh, President Bola Tinubu was declared president. But so far, from what you have seen uh, at the presidential elections tribunal, what are your views generally? The engagement of Nigerians, the comportment of the political class, and the judiciary? Well, let me start by saying that I'm happy that we're not in a state of war or anarchy. I'm very happy that our leaders in opposition have comported themselves very well by making sure that they have obeyed the rule of law. Uh, those who don't agree that Ashwajibola Metinubu won the election fair and square, they brought to court. And that's the right thing to do. And those of us who are their supporters, uh, we wish them well in the bid to uh, recovering their mandates. It's up to the judiciary to do justice to that, whether it's my principal, Alaji Atiku Abubakar, or his former governor, Peter Obi. Uh, so I will be very, very willing to stay till the end of the cases, I'm sure, at the Supreme Court, and then we will know the way forward. But like I said, the most important thing is for politicians to conduct themselves properly and obey the rule of law. I know there's been a lot of uh, monitoring, if that is perhaps a word to use, for those who are supporting either of the I mean, uh, any of the political parties in, in this. But the judiciary has also been put in, in a very tight uh, situation. If I were uh, in the shoes of any of the five uh, judges that is uh, on the bench in this matter, I don't know, I probably would be under pressure too. Uh, but, but do you think rightly or wrongly that the judiciary has been uh, been pushed in the, in the right place or the wrong place? What What's your view on it? Well, I believe that for the first time, uh, Nigerians are very interested in what the judiciary will do. Uh, I believe, I mean, this is my personal opinion, that majority of Nigerians and even friends of Nigeria and international monitors believe that the election was less than average. No election is ever perfect. But what we expect is that elections must be transparently conducted enough. And this was not the case in the last election. That is my opinion, that it was not transparent enough. You see, we have this attitude in Nigeria of let's move on. Oh, let's just move on. And that is why elections will continue to be rigged and election regards to become more brazen because they know that at the every at every point and at the end of every election cycle people are going to come up with let's move on there is no nation that has made it in the world that made it by just moving on casually you know like we are uninterested we are not bothered it doesn't matter uh, it's not a matter of life and death oh he's your friend oh he's a yoruba man He's a full animal and you must support this. You know, you know we were too casual in our attitude to very serious issues of state. Nigeria is in this sorry state because of that attitude of being casual, of moving on, of explaining everything in terms of ethnicity, of religion, of friendship. 
it's more convenient for me today to jump in, jump in the fray and say, yes, let me just declare myself a supporter of Batuaju shamelessly, forgetting that a few months ago I was saying that Atiku was this and that. You see, that is why Nigeria is in trouble. So a few patriots must rise up above that pettiness of friendship by putting their country above their personal comfort. Comfort cannot be everything. And the reason why it is so is because a lot of our political leaders, they have no verifiable source or sources of income. Most polit politicians in Nigeria are career politicians. If you ask a man and he says, you say, what do you do? And he says, I'm a politician. Then you know the person is jobless. He has nowhere to return to when politics is, is no longer lucrative. And that's why a lot of politicians, even after they've been in power for so long, they still want to remain in power. You are a governor today, you become minister tomorrow, you become senator day after, because the state must continue to provide for them. So I am hoping that the judiciary will do justice and must be seen to have done justice. No matter what happens, of course, everybody will not agree, whatever the judgment, but there is what we call reasonable standard of justice. That is what Nigerians are expecting at this time. With what we have seen in, the, in Nigeria in the past months and years, do you trust the judiciary to do justice? If we didn't trust the judiciary, we won't go to court. We're in court because we expect the judiciary to do their best by making sure that justice is upheld in our country, Nigeria. If they fail, uh, they will fail spectacularly. They will fail their family, they will fail themselves, they will fail their country, they will fail the continent of Africa because it means that we will be back to the jungle. So the state of Nigeria today, everybody is talking about it. As you know, I travel everywhere around the world and nobody is pleased with the fact that we cannot conduct a simple election. An election, especially the presidential one, in which on the same day, you had the presidential election and you had the national assembly election and in one everything went smoothly in another in the same election same time same place everything started going haywire that for me is very unfortunate after spending about a budget of about 400 billion we wasted a budget of 400 billion after the reassurances upon reassurances from mahmoud yakubu I mean, it, it's just so sad. Do you know how much Nigeria could have, what Nigeria could have done with 400 billion? There is no point wasting all that resources if we knew we will not be serious. If we knew that we were not going to conduct a proper election and it was a charade and we just wasted people's time. But, but there are those who will say, uh, Chief Dele Mamadou, and I and I like I like to ask you. Do you think that there is any sense of credibility, or fairness, in that election? No, I don't. For the presidential, it was a very hopeless case. You see, my knowledge of Nigerian history. I'm a good student of Nigerian history. My knowledge of Nigerian history is very simple. In 1979 and 1983, we held similar elections. Very, very similar. Jehovah Penaulo ran from the southwest. 
the window of furniture. Dr. Namdi Azikwe ran from south. The Malaman, Aminu Kano was a major force, just like Rabbi Kwakwaso now in Kano. Alayaji Shehu Chagari was the major force from the northwest. It was very similar. My knowledge of Nigeria and looking at the case of Buhari in particular, Buhari started running for election in 2003. Buhari could not win. Why? He controlled the entire northern region. He was a major force in the northern region. But because he could not cross into the south, he didn't win election on three occasions until the fourth attempt when he was able to build bridges across. So for me, and I've told you this on your channel program before, that for any president to be credible, you must hold your base very well. That is, if you are a southern candidate, you must win in the southwest, win majorly in the southeast, and also in the south-south. Then you cannot attempt to cross to the other side and win a few regions. So you must lock down four regions very, very well. But those regions must include your own region. I hope you are following me. Absolutely. So in a yeah. situation where a man is not strong in the southeast, is not strong in the south south, is he barely managed in his own base, something is wrong. So but like I said, the case is in court. That is my view. So I will allow the judges to unravel what happened to that election and why Yakubu was so in so much a mad rush that he had to declare a winner when there were protestations in place. Why couldn't you just hold on for two, three days so you can then give legitimacy to that election? I have nothing against any candidate. Anybody who knows me knows I'm a Democrat. Mm -hmm. In 2019, I supported Atiku and uh, Peter Obi uh, in 2019. You understand? Yet, I was the first to advise Alaji Atiku Abubakar that you congratulate Buhari because the election was reasonable enough. It was not perfect. It was far from perfect, but it was reasonable. This one was not sensible at all to me. It didn't, I mean, the, the mad rush declaring a winner in the middle of the night as if there is something you are running away from. You know, if I place a burden on whoever is declared winner, and that is the burden of legitimacy that we are facing right now, I'll be very happy if Tinubu is declared winner of the presidential result without all these controversies. But in a situation where you are, you have to declare a candidate in the middle of the night, you are rushing, Dino Melaye stood up while the election thing was going on and raised objections. They did not give him a chance. The only thing is go to court. Because those who said go to court, they know that it becomes very tedious, very expensive, outlandishly expensive to go to, through a court process. Do you know how many billions will be wasted by Peter Obi, by Alaji Atiku Abubakar in court. This we could have been saved of if Yakubu was ready to listen, was ready to take a pause and say, okay, let's wait two, three, four days. Even if you are going to pretend, pretend. In life, you cannot just tell people to go to hell, go to places, go to court, and expect that there won't be repercussions. It is wrong. So you blame so you, you blame the INEC chairman. 
I blame him absolutely. Mm. So I blame him. He you, was not he was not cautious at all. If you if what he did was reckless by not listening to those who complain why the election thing was done. That's what we are against. If, it is not about who won or who did not win. I don't care. I am a Democrat. I know in an election only one man can win. And I know that it was very possible for Asiwaju to have won that election. But it should be seen to have won without all these unnecessary controversies. But if, if you say the election wasn't uh, being fair, how then do, would you describe the fact that a Peter Obiwu is not a PDP member, a PDP uh, candidate, a PDP, a political party that has held sway for so long? A lot of people will say that if the election was going to be between any or among any of these candidates, it will be between largely the ruling party and the PDP, for example. But with the manner in which Peter Obi came uh, into the fray, a lot of people thought that uh, it might cause some upset. Uh, Peter Obi, for example, defeating Bolatinobu in Lagos. Do you think if the election were not free and fair, and this is the argument in some quarters and the school of thought of some people of who hold the view that maybe there is a sense of fairness in the game uh, that could have led to a Peter Obi picking some state in Nigeria up to about 11 states or so. Don't you think? Chiu, I don't know. In my days at the university, I read a book about the Outfoot Dodger. I can't remember the author now. So you can Google it later, the Outfoot Dodger. Anybody who wants to compromise an election will not be so stupid as to make it obvious that I have compromised the election. Let's look at his Bola Tunumbu is in president. Um, he's someone that you know very well. In the last few months of uh, in the saddle, what's your assessment of Bola Tunumbu's presidency? Well, it is too early for me to assess him uh, very well. He has taken some steps that I liked. He has taken some steps that I believe he needs to be very cautious. Uh, so if I have an opportunity after the court cases to advise, I will write in pendulum. One of the reasons I have not been writing pendulum is that I don't want to prejudge anything. Uh, so when the court cases are done, I have my powerful back page of this day newspaper and he will read my opinion. I don't have to see him physically before I write to him. I wrote so many open letters to Buhari, and I'll be writing a lot of open letters to whoever is the winner at the end of the day, whether Atiku or somebody. You say, okay, if Atiku is in power, uh, we'd like to be able to advise him. And the only thing that stops you from writing is if it's your boss and you are working under him. And like I said, I'm not seeking any position. So my belief is that Inubu has done some things that are very good. Um, I'm a very objective person. I will continue to harp on that. Uh, but there are some things like this DJ Republic thing that he needs to thread softly. Uh, the subsidy thing, if I were in his shoes, I would not have declared on day one that I'm re re uh, removing subsidy by fiat. I think that was dangerous. Uh, the poor people will continue to suffer 
because of that, if you drive around now, you'll see that there are fewer cars, much fewer cars on the streets. Uh, the poor are getting poorer. The market is almost virtually empty. Uh, I think you should have studied the wild to study the situation more and to put palliatives in place. You do not inflict injury on a man before you now start looking for your dime. What you do is, if you know that you want to heal a wound, you would have kept all your you know, Panadol and everything, the painkillers in place. And then so that in case of any eventuality, now, if anybody drops dead, that person is gone because he doesn't even have money to go to hospital. He doesn't have money to eat good food. You know, I think uh, his advisors would need to act very fast. People will not tell you the truth when you are in power, but the truth is that I don't want Nigeria to fail. I don't care, like I said, who is in power. I don't want Nigeria to fail. And I will pray that whoever is there right now, whether we recognize him or we don't, we will not wish our country any bad thing. I will not. But do you think that Tunubu has what it takes to be a great president? Every leader has what it takes to be a great president if you listen to good advisors and if you have good advisors. If you don't have good advisors, you have, it's just like a journalist without correct sources. You will always carry fake news. I mean, I'm sure a lot of times, just now, I asked you a question. You had to quickly go and check it. And so, but if you didn't have reliable sources to give you the information, you, 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 you will not be able to speak authoritatively. For any leader to succeed, you must look at his team. Uh, the team that I'm seeing now, I'm sorry, is, is even worse than Buhari's team. Really? I'm very sorry. The, the ministerial team, I mean, the likes uh, of uh, Nasir Arifine, Salman Lalong, Dr. Basun Tijani. Um, uh, I, I, I will not be specific about or... names. What I expected was a star-studded cabinet. I, 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 I like to regale myself with the sweet memory of President Ibrahim Babangida's cabinet in those days. We remember them to today. Most of the people appointed now are the journalists. Trust me, I don't know them. Under Abangida, I remember Chief Alex Akinyemi. I remember Professor Bolaji Akinyemi. I remember Prince Bola Shodun, Bola Shodun, Ajibola. I remember Professor Yabore. I remember Taishola. I mean, somewhere I remember Walisho Inka in FRIC. I remember so many of them with fond memories. You cannot say that today. A lot of the people, someone is appointed, she's on their way to screaming, you remove her. I mean, that's disgraceful. That shouldn't happen. So it means that you didn't do your due diligence before appointing people. And the people get appointed and they are shouting hallelujah and dancing. I mean, we are in the days of the Okojo Wealers, the obvious equestrian list, even the original Elufai in those days. We know the bad Jews. I mean, when you say the original Erufai, is it not the same Erufai yeah, that is there now? That's the original. When he was original minister before this, now he's just coming back. I'm talking about the original, that moment, that golden it's moment. First, it's first time. Yes. You know, and uh, today, 
you just have what Yoruba call Iluwa or Biriwa, it is unfair. Because if there is one person who knows a lot of technocrats in Nigeria very well, it's Tinubu. And that's why a lot of people supported him were saying that they were so sure he would replicate what he has done in Lagos. You know, it's been a star-studded team in Lagos. You had Fashola, you had Ambote, now you have Jide Sonwolu. These are top-notch technocrats. And that is the caliber that one would have expected in any government in Nigeria. Unfortunately, that's not what we are saying. So you are disappointed? Look, I don't want you to quote me out of context. I am not the type, anybody who knows me and knows the business I do, I don't practice negativity. And that's why I told you I will not mention any specific name. I'm just talking in general terms that this cabinet does not measure up to my expectation. Before we allow uh, Chief uh, Dilemomo to go, uh, let me start with Mazi Nzako. Uh, you are now with the mic. Go ahead, please. Good afternoon, Shemu, or good evening uh, in Nigeria. Uh, Chief Dela Momodu, good afternoon, sir, if you can hear me. So, uh, when you say that uh, there are some policies from this Tinubu administration that is good, uh, I don't understand it, because what I know about policies, are policies are meant to better the life of of the people not to not to you know impoverish them not to put them in more penury so I, I don't still understand when everybody come out to say oh these policies are good they will be good in long term I, I, I don't see it as a sensible talk what do you think about it sir right. thank you uh, okay. okay let me respond quickly all right great i said and i mean it there is no government that is totally bad, even as useless as the Buhari government was. No government is totally bad. There were good things that they did. And I'm one of those who look out for good in people. Uh, so I'm not going to rubbish Tinubu because I'm not his supporter or anything. No. I will say the facts as they are. For example, the foreign exchange thing that used to benefit a few people. It will take time for it to get better. It is because we're not pumping money into production. We are pumping money into consumption. That is what is causing problems. So my advice to the government is that stop pumping money into consumption. For example, the profligacy ongoing in the National Assembly, if you cannot look at them straight in the face and tell them the truth that no Nigeria can no longer afford this profligacy, then there is a problem. That foreign exchange thing, trust me, is a good deal. I, where I have problems is using Godwin Lemifili as a scapegoat because we all knew what happened. There is a president in Africa who announced after he left power, he said, don't touch my guys. I gave them instructions on their decisions. If you want to touch anybody, please pick me up. I'll be willing to represent all of them in prison. That is what I expect government to know, that you don't make a scapegoat and very soon you make him a martyr if care is not taken. And then if you have anything against him, take him to court quickly. 
You don't arrest people, then you begin investigation. No, you must have sufficient facts before you go and pick someone up. So the policy of removing that uh, exchange rate, uh, different exchange rate for different Nigerians, I'm happy that it is gone. That's one of the policies I was referring to when I said there are policies of Tinubu that I like. Thank you. Thank you so much. Let me quickly take another one. This one from Adebisi is at Ibirogba 2000 on Twitter. Yeah, you have the mic now. Please go ahead. Thank you so much. Good afternoon, Shemu, from here. I've listened carefully to the submission from the very beginning, and I, you guys have uh, tried to speak from your own different perspective. Anyway, I wanted to also let Chief understand that um, uh, Mr. Atiku lost that election when Obi left. We have to just be factual about that. That it is the pure reality. However, Obi also went ahead to politics. That reason he won Lagos. <laughs> because people were disgruntled because of the Muslim Muslim ticket. And you know, somehow Christianity is headquarters in Lagos somehow and all of that. So and Obi had pandered to that. Uh, logic from that perspective, not for any other reasons, not because of any performance or anything, but we all know the, of those facts. So, however, however, uh, I wanted to also ask you, sir, that in all honesty, because if you had looked, I don't know, maybe you have gone through the petition that uh, Atiku and Obi put forward. I'm just taking you back to all of this. I have gone through it, and I've and I've not seen where they have said that there was rigging. In, in those of those of their petition, their petition were leaning towards more of uh, defamation of Mr. President uh, Ashwa, uh, President Bola Tinobu's character. Okay, he submitted, he, he refunded something. He did, they, did, they didn't come forward with any allegations saying that he rigged the election. Maybe they also talked about the Abuja 25% and all of that. That then that's on the other side. Then I also uh, took some time to check out Article's petition. He was also trying to claw back some vote from uh, from OB in the southeast because he felt that those are PDP strongholds. He should have gotten something out of those places. So I'm surprised at the kind of submission you are coming to put forward today, sir. Um, and I hope you will reconsider it. Thank you so much. Yeah. Uh, uh, thank okay. you. Yes, sir. Thank you very much. Shayun, I will take... This one is very easy for me to take. OB left article law. OB was with article in 2019. Why did they win? I'd explain this. It's a simple thing. Obi was because Obi is now a man of his own, and he was the fresh candidate. It's natural that we attract some attention, but Obi on his own could not do it. Do you understand? When he was with Atiku, they could not do it. So you cannot use Obi as a factor because if it was that simple, then they would have done it in 2019 when Wali been at his lowest ebb. A lot of people didn't like Buhari in 2019. So you would have expected that a combination of Obi and, look, Nigerians don't vote like that. That's why I said number one consideration is ethnicity, number two is religion, number three is money. That's how it works, even in America. That's how it works. On the issue of, oh, they did not go to prove rigging. Everybody knows that if you go to court and say, I'm happy that you are a lawyer in the making that if you go to court, the most that you would take the next two years trying to prove rigging, bring in a forensic expert, bring in, they were smart to go another route, to save them time, save them resources. And 
why are you looking for the word rigging when they said there were infractions? You did not transmit election results. You did not do this. You did, that is enough to nullify the election. Coming to say you rigged me, uh, you reduced 20 votes from a limature, you, you will need a tooth comb to search for those votes. The lawyers were smarter this time. Go and look at the caliber of lawyers in Nigeria today. I'm so proud of them. They knew all the tricks in the past. That when you go, you bring forensic effort. For the next six months, you are searching word for word, zone for zone, state for state. They went for the very obvious. You promised you were going to transmit election results. You transmitted national assembly results. So what happened to the presidential results? That is what they have done. They, do, they didn't need to talk about rigging. The election itself was rigged once you refused to comply with the most important, and that's why it became the most expensive election in the history of Nigeria, because you promised you were going to transmit certain things, and you transmitted one, you didn't transmit the other. Is that not rigging knowledge? No matter the excuse you give, uh, there were glitches, there were, you can use any nomenclature you like. You already put some people at a disadvantage. Thank you. Uh, we will now read this process. I beg for 10 minutes from Chidele Momodu. So I, I'm not permitted to take more than one I, more I person. am ready. <laughs> I am comrade. ready. Where are your questions? <laughs> comrade, comrade Batticide at Polabi on, um, on Twitter. Uh, it's your turn, please. Quickly, please shoot. Um, Thank you very Yeah. Thank you very much. Um, I'll, I'll be very quick. I, I think uh, uh, Chief Dele Momodu really uh, did brilliantly well today. Honestly, I, I couldn't agree more with most of his submission. And just uh, to quickly say, it's not correct that uh, the petitioners didn't talk about rigging. Uh, let's not forget that there are um, 18,088 polling unit results, blood polling unit results that INEC could not uh, provide uh, their own top copies. Okay, that said, my question actually is is around um, uh, you know a requirement for constitutional amendment uh, to ensure that tribunal outcomes are actually you know determined and uh, you know finalized, so so to say, before the president is uh, sworn in, because it is looking really uh, you know more difficult by the day when you have somebody who already appointed service chiefs. Is, is is in control of uh, you know the police the military ministers are currently being screened so you know i mean this is this this is looking more like an uphill task by the day when you really look at it that look you are going to uninstall so many things so do you agree that we urgently need that kind of amendment to just to ensure that um, you know, um, this kind of thing doesn't happen because there's so much uncertainty that even if the court says no, you are not qualified, or this election was uh, nullified. You, you have already given this man a lot of uh, tools to, to fight back. Thank you. That's my take. Well, Chief, you, would you well, want to... Uh, uh, you see, I always tell people, I always use my doctor as an example. Whenever I go there, and I say, check my blood pressure. And they say, oh, Chief, but you've never had a history of blood, uh, blood pressure. I say, no, it starts one day, and it's good for you to know early. It's the same thing with this thing. Uh, people say, oh, they've never removed the president's 
a, who, who is already in power. There is always a first time. That's the whole idea of statistics. That the first time it happened was in 2023. The evidence will not fall. Look, that's part of this reason why people leave elections because they know people will now bring all kinds of extraneous excuses. Oh, uh, look, we, it is too expensive. There is nothing more expensive than fraud. Quote me, there is nothing more expensive than fraud. If it is the people are able to prove that there was fraudulent malpractices in the election, so be it. No matter how, it, it, it's going to save us generations and generations of crisis and anarchy. The moment people lose faith in the electoral process, lose faith in the judiciary, our children may never recover again. And they will resort to anarchy. And you can't blame anybody for that. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's the same thing. When Dino Melaye stood up that day and told Yakubu, say, oh, God, slow down. Let us show some of these infractions. He said, no. He said, they should go on. And after that, they can go to court. They must put an end to that rascality. If you don't do that, trust me, in 2027, somebody is going to win again and ask you to go to court. So the earlier you stop this go to court madness, the better. So the moment people see that they can no longer run to the judiciary to become governor that they didn't contest for, to become senator that they didn't contest for, to become president that was massively rigged, nobody will rig again. We must put an end to it. That's the whole idea. Thank you. If I go on, we will not leave here. But let's leave it at like that. I don't want to uh, take liberty for, uh, what's it called now? Um, Chief Dele Mamadou, you've been magnanimous to be able to allow us uh, encroach into your weekend. You should be resting, and you allowed us to have this conversation. Many thanks for your thoughts tonight. Uh, what uh, a conversation it has been. Thank you so much, uh, Chief Dele Mamadou, for uh, your thoughts tonight. I really, really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much. I love to your family Thank and you. enjoy the Thank you so much. Thank you. Well, Thank you. post-election debates are on ending, especially in this case where the matter is still in court. We can only keep our fingers crossed and our eyes on the judiciary. On the issues of governance, subsidy removal, ministerial appointments, ECOWAS decision on Nijeku, uh, part of the decisions President Tinobu is being judged by the aptness or otherwise of this decision may not be full-blown yet, but the impacts are already uh, being felt. Also, uh, the caliber of people around the corridors of power is also a factor that may affect the success or failure of a government. There is beauty in diversity and so much strength in numbers. So again, it is a reminder that as a country with such uh, a huge population. We need the best of us in position of power, and uh, that is perhaps not asking for too much, anyways. Well, that's our show for today, everyone. Many thanks for joining on this week edition of MyCon Podcast. I'll see you again next time. I'm Sean Wakimbalay. Have a wonderful evening, everyone. Bye bye. Thank you for joining us on this edition of MyCon Podcast with Sean Wakimbalay.